Good morning, good morning. So good to see you. I want to welcome you. My name is Pastor Chris. I'm the campus pastor here and uh, just thrilled that you joined us today. If this is your first time, as Alex said, uh, I would love to meet you if I've not already had an opportunity to meet you uh, directly after service. So thank you so much for joining us and being here with us this morning. We are continuing in a series that we're in called United. And uh, it's all centered around, it really is a journey that we're taking together. Uh, Early on, you heard us talk about get a guide and get in a group, really two significant uh, key components to walking through this journey together. And we've been going through the book of Ephesians chapter by chapter and just unpacking these different promises that uh, Paul is lining out for us. In fact, just as way of review, I want to show you just some of the things that we've talked about First, Paul's talking about there's this unity that we can have. And and really, we called the series United because that's this overarching theme, this overarching concept that Paul's trying to get across. Because see, what you're united to, you'll become like. And it's so important in today's day and age that we understand what are we united to? What are we joining ourselves to? Talks about early on in in chapters 1 and 2, it talks about being in Christ and then included in Christ. That we're a new creation. That, that we have this newness and that we have this, uh, this new life that we can live. And then we discover there's a strength that we get. We're not just saved, but we're strengthened and seated with Christ. There's this authority that we have when we're seated with him and we know him in a, in a greater way. And then as we began to, Paul was kind of rounding the corner just a little bit. And we started understanding that there's this uh, uh, purpose that he has for us. There's this distribution model called his church. And it's through the church that he longs to impact people's lives. And that the church is not just some building and it's not just some other group of people that you are the church, I am the church, we are the church, and God's called us to come together. And last week we talked about equipping. What, what is it that we're going to do? What, why are we brought together? Why does God use the church as his distribution model? What was the whole point of even getting saved and then strengthened and seated with Christ, this authority that we gain? Well, why is that? Because really salvation is not the end goal. I checked the box and now I'm going to heaven. Salvation is the starting line. There's a divine purpose that God has for each of us. And so when we get equipped, as we talked about last week, we all play our part. And when we do, we're able to show and display the fullness of who Jesus is. But, but how? how? How do we do this? So a few weeks ago, we talked about the how from the execution standpoint, this distribution model called the church. But today, what I want to talk about is the how from the empowerment standpoint. And that's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians chapter 5. And and what we're going to look at today is what it looks like to be filled. That's really what Paul's dialing into. And and just so you know, we're going to actually take chapter 5. We're going to break it up. We're going to look at the first part of chapter 5. And then next week, talks about marriage and families, and we're going to look at that and what it looks like and what Paul's talking to us about what it looks like to be united within our families. And and so when you look at this, it's really understanding what does it mean to be filled? How are we going to, if there's a divine assignment, we're being equipped for an assignment, there's something God's called us to do, how are we going to do that? How are we going to not just simply execute it, but how are we going to be empowered to do that? Where, Where do we discover that power? To be able to do what God has called us to do. How do we stay the course and how do we have the stamina to be who God has called us to be and do what God has called us to do? And that's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians chapter 5. Open up your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 15. 
And I, I, you know, again, there's, there's always this empowerment. For anything you do, there's this empowerment that you need. I'll be honest, okay? I needed a little empowerment this morning, okay? My Longhorns, we got robbed yesterday. Now, we didn't play real good, okay? But it's like I came in, and I, I'm be honest. Like, the devil is just trying to oppress me this morning. It's like everyone decided to wear maroon today. I was like, did y'all do that on purpose? Like what? And they're like, no, Pastor Chris, we love you. We're, we're here for you. Let's go. Dream team, serve, you know. And then I got an Aggie sitting in the back, you know. And I'm like, Lord, what are you doing to me? But I love them all, you know. The Lord said, be all things to all people, right? And so, but I need that empowerment to just be who I need to be to do what I'm called to do. Now you think, well, all right, Pastor Chris, that's funny. You're talking about football. Doesn't really relate. You know, you're down there secretly going boomer sooner. Okay, don't do that, please. Okay, I'm, this may hurt my heart, all right? You go, what's the point? The point is this. God's called each of us to fulfill a role, to, to, to fulfill a divine purpose. Just like Carly was saying, there's this purpose, there's this promise God has for us. God, you are able. We, we read about that in Ephesians. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. He is able. And just as she said, we can be in the middle of a moment that seems like it's the lowest moment of our life, and yet he's still able. But how do we get through that? How do we do that? And that's what Paul is talking about here. Remember, this is a letter. So sometimes we will read the book of Ephesians or we'll read any book in the Bible. And we think of it as chapter and verse. It wasn't written in chapter and verse. It's written as a letter to a group of people. Now, as we've talked about early on, the church in Ephesus is a young church influential church. It's growing. God's doing things. He's working. He's moving. People are getting saved. Ephesus was a port city. It was large. It was about 200,000 people. And so there's a lot of things that are happening. There's a lot of commerce. There's a lot of influence, not just within this young church, but as a whole within the city. It's an influential place. And, and last week we talked about, you know, hey, look, there's this equipping that God has for you. He wants to, to equip you and that you might work and operate in the way that he's called you to work and operate. And I said last week that the most evangelistic tool God ever gave is an equipped church fulfilling the Great Commission. It's not a, it's not a gathering of people. It's not a, a concert. It's not a guest speaker. It's an equipped church fulfilling his word, re, as we would say, reaching people and building lives. That's what it looks like. That's what we're called to do. And now Paul is bringing in, us into this place, and he's writing. And when he starts chapter 5, he, he really starts dialing into some specific character things. He, he starts talking about, listen, be imitators of Christ. He starts unpacking what it looks like and says, look, I want to make a clear emphasis. There is some character transformation that needs to happen. As you grow in your relationship with the Lord, it starts from the inside out. It's not behavior modification. It's heart transformation. Don't get so dialed up. Parents, just side note, your kids are going to act like kids. When you're around people and people, I, I, I talk to people all the time, you know, someone will talk to me, Pastor Chris, what should I do about this person, this and that? I'm like, well, do they know Jesus? Well, no, they don't know Jesus. Well, then why are you surprised they're acting like someone who doesn't know Jesus? They're just doing what, don't, don't get so dialed into the behavior and the external working. If you just point them to Jesus and you point them to being filled, specifically what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit then what will happen is that transformation will come from the inside out. And that's what Paul's talking about here. That's what Paul's talking about. And he's, he's talking to a very real group of people that have real issues, just like you and I do, right? 
How many of you got issues? You're like, I got issues. I got enough to share, okay? I, got, I raised both hands, both feet, all my toes. Anybody wants some, I'll pass them out on the way out, okay? You may go, I got it. My issues got issues, okay? We all got stuff that we go through. And Paul's writing to you and I, a very real group of people experiencing real things. And he's challenging and encouraging. I mean, he covers everything. He talks from, you know, being an imitator of Christ and Christ-like in this development from the inside out to sexual purity to marriage and relationship and how you interact within your family. I mean, he covers the whole gamut, okay? And so he's not dialing into one specific thing. I think what he's doing, he's setting the framework of how you live our life. And in fact, that's how he begins verse 15. Let's look. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Here's what it says. Be very careful. I love that word very. Not just careful, very careful. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. You see, you're going to experience opportunities in life. You're going to come across people, and I'm not just simply talking about a business opportunity or a relationship opportunity. Every day is an opportunity that you can make the most of. What are you doing with those opportunities? And I'm challenged by that. I get convicted by that because I'll be honest, in today's day and age, it's so easy to be so busy and so distracted. There was a season in my life, maybe you'll relate to this. I used to take pride in being, uh, being able to multitask, right? I do a lot of things at one time, you know, and just side note, husbands, that doesn't go real well when you're with your wife and you're like, I'm multitasking. I'm surfing my phone and I'm supposed to be having dinner and we're supposed to be having a conversation, okay? And so I would, I, and I remember hearing a leader one time say, if you think that multitasking is good, really, you're not, you're not multitasking. You're just multi-distracted. Man, that just hit because I'm going, that's me. And I had to go, wait, wait, time out, time out. I want to make the most of every opportunity. He's talking about what it looks like to be wise and unwise. You see, there's a wise way in which we can live to make the most of every opportunity. And we're going to unpack that in just a little bit. He goes on. And he says, because the days are evil, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. It doesn't matter how old or how young. It seems like everyone I talk to, what is God's will for my life? We're all trying to understand God's will for our life. And he just said right there, we can make the most of every opportunity. We cannot be foolish. We can understand if we walk wise. Okay, so how, I, I want this wisdom. Paul, you're talking about wisdom. I want to live with wisdom. H how do I do that? Here's what he says. Verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. So, you know, back in January, some of this, you're going to remember, and I'm actually going to use a couple of illustrations that I used in January. We did a series called Built to Last. And as we were coming into January, Pastor Jeff, our lead pastor, uh, or we coming into the new year, felt very strongly like this is something that we needed as a church. Little did we know that COVID was going to happen, right? Uh, talk about needing to be built to last. Well, what Paul's referring to here is similar to the parable of what Jesus is giving in Matthew 7. How are you going to build your house? Are you building on the rock? Or are you building on the sand? Because when the storm comes, when the global pandemic comes, when furlough comes, have you built wise or unwise? And so 
As the people are listening, especially good Jews, they understand what Paul is saying. They're relating. They're going back to the parable of what Jesus said. If they were there and they even heard or they were around or they heard story of that parable, they relate. They understand. And so Paul's unpacking what this looks like. And there's this key word there that we just read in verse 18. It says, be filled with the Spirit. Here's here's what I want us to understand that there's so much that we have access to that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. The word filled in the Greek is plerao. And here's what that means. And it's important that we understand what it is written in in its original context. Or the word would be lexicon, the translation. Because here's what you have to understand about that word. This is what's so important as we, as we take that and understand what Paul's really saying here. You see, that word in the Greek is plural, which means it's for all of us. It's not just one individual person. He's saying, be filled. So he's talking to a group. Every one of us need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? And we're going to look and see what does that actually mean for us every single day. It's also imperative. It, it's, it's, it's saying that it's not an option. <clears throat> Some may interpret it, well, that's a command. I feel, and sometimes you can, you can read it that way. But, but really, if you just study English and the emphasis of English language or language in general and lexicons as a whole, as they're written, even Greek, then it's, there's this imperative nature. But then here's the most important part about it. It's plural, which means it's ongoing. You see, Greek was written, written with these inflections. We kind of do it. I know I do it. Okay? There's, there's a few things that I call Wendy. Okay, some of you already know one of them, Love Biscuit. That's just kind of like her nickname. Hey, Love Biscuit. Okay, but there's these other two, and you may relate to this, Baby and Boo. Okay, sometimes it's Baby and Boo together. You know, it's just, I mean, I don't know what the night's feeling like. Hey, Baby Boo, you know, it's well, whatever. But, but let me tell you something. You do this, right? Baby and Boo, all of a sudden, you can give a certain inflection, and it means something different. There's Baby, right? Then there's Baby. There's baby. There's baby. They all mean something different based on how you're communicating it, right? That's what Paul's saying here. When he's saying filled, it means plural, meaning ongoing to overflowing. There's this ongoing overflowing of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the power to be equipped is directly connected your relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. The power to be equipped to do what God has called you to do and be who God has called you to be is directly connected to the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to live life united, we have to understand what it looks like to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's this ongoing feeling that happens. And as we understand our relationship with the Holy Spirit, it begins to impact who we are. And we tap into a power that we all need. You see, we all need to be empowered for certain things. I've shared with you, I'm, I'm the dad of three little girls, and I love it. But I need some empowerment. I'm going to need empowerment for the seasons of my life. You know, one day they're going to they're go off to college, or one day they're going to start driving. One day they're going to be these boys that come around, and I'll make sure that I'm outside, shirt off with my guns. I may even have cowboy boots. I don't even wear cowboy boots. I just wear it for effect. Maybe I'll have some powerful cut-off jean shorts. That'll really impress my daughters. <laughs> I'll be like, you know, I mean, I mean, it's just power. I mean, it's Texas, right? I mean, why not, right? I'm just ready. Come on, boys. 
Welcome to the family. Let's go. I'm going to need empowerment. Right now, here's the season I'm in. I don't know. Maybe you relate to this. My kids, they got, you know, you got uh, uh, Polly Pocket and La La Loopsie, and you got critters, and you got all these different kind of toys. Well, the one thing that my kids really love is, is stuffed animals. And my little Willow, my middle girl, she loves foxes. And she's the one, if you're ever around here, she's always got ears on. There's never, I mean, this girl, she's powerful. She'll color coordinate her ear headbands. She's got them, I mean, they, they got fluffy ones, they got furry ones, they got sparkly ones. You know, she's tapped into this unicorn ear thing too. I don't know what's going on. Headbands, headbands, headbands. Well, I, I'm picking up, I need power. Any of you need that power to kind of pick up all your kids' stuff at the end of the night? You ever, you, and then sometimes you like, forget it, just leave it there. I don't care. Well, I'm picking stuff up. And I pick up one of her like eight foxes, okay? She's got eight of them. I don't know. But they all, they all look the same to me, and they're all the same color. But she knows exactly what they are. I said, here's Foxy Loxy. I mean, you just assume I, you just assume I ripped the head off that fox by calling it the wrong name. Daddy, that is not Foxy Loxy, okay? That's Amber. Here's Amber. Will you pick up your stuffed animal or I'm going to throw it away? You know, that's what I wanted to say. I didn't say it. I may have said that at one time or two. I don't know. But see, because here's the thing. To me, it all looks the same. But guess what? It wasn't Foxy Loxy. It was Amber. And sometimes what you think is one thing really isn't it. You see, we all have a perspective when it comes to the Holy Spirit. I know, even as I started talking about the Holy Spirit, like, whoa, whoa hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. okay, check out. What, what's, you know, what time does the football game start? What, uh, when does this open up? Like, you're already checking out. You see, because we have a perspective. We don't always know who is the person of the Holy Spirit. And when we don't know, we don't really know how to engage and interact with Him. There's really two groups of people that walk through this door today that are listening to me talk about the Holy Spirit. There's those that are intrigued. You're going, hey, I, I, hey I'm here. I'm open to it. I, I want to learn. I want to listen. You know, even if it's maybe a little bit different from the heritage and the background that I came from, I still want to learn. Then there's another group of people. You're in process. You're like, I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I understand the Holy Spirit. I'm growing in my relationship with the Holy Spirit, but I want to know more. I, I want to grow. I want to have a good understanding of what it looks like to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You see, we're, we're going to look at what this means practically for us in, in just a minute. And I want to give you some very practical things. But I felt it was so important to really set up. And this is an illustration maybe you've seen before and, and an illustration that I've seen many times and I've done many times to help us understand how we interact with the Holy Spirit. What does it look like? Well, how do we do that? See, because for us as humans, even as you read in the New Testament, there's always this kind of similarity that for us as humans, we're a vessel. You're, you're going to be filled with something. And the question is, what are you filled with? Are you filled with pride? Are you filled with anxiety? Are you filled with worry? Are you filled, we're going to be filled with something. It's like your calendar. If you don't fill it, someone else will fill it, rest assured. So you have to determine what is going in. What am I filling myself with? And there's three other Greek words that really help us understand what this looks like when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this off. I, you thought I was doing like a magic trick today. So I, I'm going to pull this off. I'm not doing a magic trick. But let, let's just say this right here is you. Okay. And, and the first word is the word 
para, which means with in the Greek. When, when, you're, when you're understanding what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, with means, hey, this, this, this water, which water oftentimes symbolizes and represents. It's used as, as symbolizing the Holy Spirit. This water is just kind of with, just kind of near, right? But, but then there's this word, and, and what happens is, and, you know, when, when, when the Holy Spirit is with you, here's what's amazing. The Holy Spirit can still work on you. You see, before you ever gave your life to Jesus, no matter the season you were in, what you were going through, or what you had experienced, he was still with you. And it's the Holy Spirit that woos you and draws you into a relationship with Jesus. Some of you experience that. You're like, I, you walk in here and you're like, well, someone just invited me. Someone just brought me. I just came because I thought, well, guess who was working on your heart? You didn't realize it's the Holy Spirit. I've shared with you. I would go out of church, go to church every Sunday morning out of respect for my parents. I wasn't living for the Lord. I'd, I wasn't serving Jesus. I was, as my 301 group has said, I was a rolling dumpster fire. That's more powerful than a dumpster fire, apparently. I was just rolling down the road. I was, just, I was a mess. But God was working on me. Every time I'd go to Sunday morning service, hungover, okay? I don't remember what the pastor was preaching about, but I was there. And God was working. The Holy Spirit was working. He was with me even in the middle of my mess. And he started to work on me. And I remember driving home one Thursday afternoon from Texas State. I was driving home. And I remember God doing something in my heart. I got to my house. I knelt down by my bed. And I said, Jesus, I'm tired of the way I'm living. I need you to change my life. And he delivered me from alcohol in that moment. And I stopped in that moment in the direction I was headed, and I started serving the Lord, and I haven't turned back ever since at 19. Now, have I been perfect? No. Have I made mistakes? Yes. Have there been things I've had to work through along the way? Absolutely, and still to this day. But he was with me. But see, something happened when I gave my life to Jesus. Here's what it is. Now it's in, right? The other Greek word is en, E-N, which represents in. And so now what begins to happen is I'm saved. I'm a new creation, right? I'm a new creation in Jesus. That's what it talks about. Paul's writing about in 2 Corinthians. But then there's this being filled with the Holy Spirit that begins to happen. And when I'm filled, I'm sealed with him. And that's what Paul's actually talking about in Ephesians chapter 1 that we read earlier. So there's this process of, okay, he's in me. I'm growing in my relationship with God. And he's doing a work. And the more I'm spending time with the Lord, and the more I'm spending time in his word, he starts working and moving in my life and in my heart. But here's the third Greek word, and it's epi, which means upon. And what begins to happen is as the Holy Spirit, now he's not, he was with me, led me into a relationship with him. Now he's in me. I'm serving him. I'm growing in my relationship with him. But there's this ongoing filling, which means as I come in relationship with the Holy Spirit, he fills me up, but he doesn't just fill me up to the brim, he fills me up to overflowing. And what happens is what's in me comes out of me. And I just continue to grow in my relationship with him because the Holy Spirit is now not just in me. He's coming upon me and I'm continually being filled up. But here's what I had to realize. It's not just a one and done. I didn't just get saved one time. No, I need to have an ongoing relationship with the third person of the Holy Spirit, which means as I continue. Now, look, let's be honest. Sometimes, man, I got a little poured out. I'm trying not to make a mess. Oh, man, all right, you know. Okay, a little less. All right, no, you know, man, I had a brief moment, made a mistake. I don't know, just kind of not feeling it. I'm just kind of running from God. I don't know. I'm not living the way I used to live. I'm just trying not to make a mess, to be honest with you. 
But I just keep spending time with him, and what happens? He just keeps filling me up, filling me up, filling me up, filling me up to overflowing, filling me up to overflowing. And that's what it looks like. It's this ongoing relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. But here's what I had to realize. I had to overcome some preconceived ideas. See, I grew up in a heritage that was very dialed into the expressions of the Holy Spirit, right? It was all about the external. And that's what happens is we get dialed into the external part and we understand, well, what does that look like? And we think it's emotionalism. When you hear the Holy Spirit, you think emotionalism. The, 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 the word is, is actually the word charisma comes from charismata. You probably heard that one. Man, there's a Holy Spirit, man. That's a charismatics. That comes from the word charismata, which means grace gifts. There's grace gifts that God longs to give you. The truth is this. If you believe the present work in the Holy Spirit is to give grace gifts, then you're a charismatic. You're like, oh my gosh, I just left church. I'm one of those charismatics. All it means is you believe in the grace gifts. God's given you grace to operate in these spiritual gifts he longs to give you. It's not emotionalism. It's not this outward expression. We have probably experienced that. So guess what I have to do? I had to get past my preconceived idea of the heritage that I grew up in that said, this is what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, when in reality, that wasn't entirely it. So how did I do that? Well, then I had to go to God's word. What does God's word say? So the more I moved past my preconceived idea, I dove into God's word. I started reading what does God's word say, and I started allowing my life to remember, be molded around this word, not simply taking out what do I like and what do I understand and apply it to my life. That's not how you engage with the word of God. So I'm moving past preconceived ideas, maybe experiences, ways in which I grew up, heritages that I was around, good or bad. Because you could have had bad experiences as well. Awkward, weird, you didn't understand it. And so you engage with God's word and it starts to shape your perspective a little better. And what happens is then it's like anything else. The more you get to know someone, the more you want to know someone. It's like, man, I just wish. Well, how much time do you spend with the person of the Holy Spirit? Well, not much at all. Well, you don't really know him. And so because you don't really know him, you don't want to spend time with him because it feels awkward and unfamiliar to you. And nobody likes unfamiliar. Nobody likes unfamiliar. Nobody's looking for everyone is going unfamiliar equals uncomfortable, which equals less of that. Less of that. And that's what ends up happening. And so remember, Paul's going, you need to be filled. So what happens? What do we gain when we're filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's the first thing we gain when, uh, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. When we're filled, we gain a new perspective. Remember how we started off the chapter, be imitators. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. You see, when I experience God's love, it completely transforms me from the inside out. No amount, I, I, remember reading a, I, I remember reading a book, and, and it, was a, it was a parenting book, and it, it said, children are not the way they are for a lack of discipline, but for a lack of training. You see, yes, we discipline our children out of love, but oftentimes we're disciplining our children out of trying to set borders around them that they don't understand. But the root of training is rooted out of love because it's rooted out of consistency. I'm constantly going back and I'm having conversation and it looks different because what happens is even in a parenting context, oftentimes I mean, parents don't even realize their kids are training them. It's just like your calendar. If you don't feel it, someone else will. And what happens is it's this 
It's this training that's rooted in consistency. Consistency is rooted in love. The more I know someone, the more I want to spend time with them, the more I'm consistently connected with them. So what happens is when I'm filled, ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit, it changes my perspective. I recognize that the Holy Spirit is active and working today still in my life and in the world. And so I want to engage with that. And when that happens, it changes my perspective. I view now what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in my life and how he wants to fill me is motivated out of love because there's a transformation that comes from the inside out. It's not motivated out of conformity and this certain way things have to look and these certain expressions that have to happen externally. That's not what it's about. The Holy Spirit is saying when you come into a relationship with me and you're continually filled What begins to happen is there's transformation from the inside out. Your perspective on it changes. There are some very clear do's and don'ts in the book of Ephesians. But it's not out of simply willpower and trying to do the right thing. You can't discipline and willpower your way to being who God's called you to be. It's going to be this ongoing, continual filling of the Holy Spirit that comes in you and then out of you. And a good way to gauge it is what's coming out of you. Remember the old phrase, garbage in, garbage out. Now, am I saying in a moment of weakness where you get frustrated or you say something that you wish you hadn't or, or whatever it meant that all of a sudden you don't have the Holy Spirit and poof, he's gone, the dove is left, okay? No, I'm not saying that, okay? But I know in my life I recognize, well, time out, man. I, I probably haven't been spending, I, I need a little bit more of the Holy Spirit in my life because I'm not operating out of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not, and that's really what it comes down to. It's the fruit of the Spirit working in people transforming them from the inside out, coming together for a joined purpose, being activated and equipped that then in turn brings about transformation in your life, in your community, in your city, and in the world. That's how it comes. That's what begins to happen. So the Holy Spirit's helped us, and what happens is I can remember even in my own life, this perspective shift that happened even as a Christian where I found Man, there was something that God was calling me to. And I, and I recognize it because I want this ongoing feeling. And so I keep spending time with the Holy Spirit. And I can remember after a few years of serving the Lord that I recognized, why am I not inter- interacting with God the way that I should be? What, what, there's something there. I feel what, what is it? And the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me that I was engaging and interacting with God as a boss and not as my heavenly father. That, that was a big revelation. That, that all of a sudden I realized the reason I couldn't get to the next place was because I didn't see him correctly. Well, who led me there? It was the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus talked about in John 14, that he reveals his word to us. He reveals those things. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us in that way. So you change your perspective. Here's the next thing. When, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you gain a wisdom that exceeds human experience. The older I get, the more I realize I'm tempted to lean on experience. We all do it. But there's a wisdom we have access to that he talks about in verse 15. Listen, we all want to make the most. That's what he said. Be careful how you live, not as unwise but wise, to make the most of every opportunity. Which one of us would ever say, ah, I just want to, I, I don't want to make the most of an opportunity they may have? No, we all want to make the most. We want to make, make the most where it matters, in our marriages, in our families, in our key relationships, with our children, in the things God's entrusted to us. We want to make the most where it matters, but the problem is we make decisions based on what we think is right and wrong, not on what is wise or unwise. And here's the challenge, that today 
what was wrong 10 years ago is right and what was right 10 years ago is wrong. So then what do you do? Here's a question to ask yourself when you're about to make any decision. And it's this. Based on my previous experiences, based on my current situation and all my future hopes and dreams, what's the wisest decision to make? Not what's the right decision or what's the wrong decision because it could change based on culture, based on what you're listening to, based on what you're filling yourself with, okay? But I'll tell you where I can get wisdom right here. And this wisdom shapes my perspective. And all of a sudden, that perspective will supersede any experience I've had. So based on my current situation, good and bad, based on all my experiences, good and bad, Based on all my future hopes and dreams, what's the wisest decision I need to make? You see, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, it helps me gain a wisdom that supersedes human experience. And here's the great thing is, here's what it then does. When I, when I gain, or when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I gain deeper relationships. You see, remember, this is a letter. Watch what he goes into. Paul goes into, and we're going to look at it next week. He starts going straight from this into... Marriage and relationship. So sometimes we read verse 18 and we get, nah, don't be drunk on wine. Really what he's saying is, look, you can, you can, you, you can drink all that and you're going to have that liquid courage. You're going to feel like Superman for a little bit, but you're going to wake up later and you're going to have a hangover and you're going to hate life. What's he saying? He's not dialing into alcohol. What he's saying is all that stuff you're running to, alcohol, relationship, the gym, workaholic, you can call it whatever you want. It won't last but if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to gain a wisdom, you're going to gain a perspective, and you're going to gain deeper relationships that he's called you to. That's what Acts 1.8 says. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You see, the deeper my relationships go, the stronger they get. The stronger they get, there's more power there. There's a strength that comes. That word power in the Greek is dunamis. It's the same root as dynamite. And so the Holy Spirit gives us this power and it says what? You will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And oftentimes when I've preached that or you've heard it preached, we're like, oh, okay. You know, it's like missional, right? It's like go win the lost. It's like go be a witness. Can I tell you the greatest place to be a witness? Jerusalem. You want to translate that? Your home. Can I tell you something? But it's also sometimes the hardest place to be a witness. Because the people you love the most are the ones you hurt the most. Not because you intend to, but because you feel real comfortable. So you kind of fly off the handle and you react rather than respond. You get a little attitude -y. You kind of just throw a little, you know, whatever. You know, you don't respond real kind. You say things just flippantly, not realizing the impact they have on the ones you love the most. And this is what he's talking about. Remember, this is a letter. Not chapter and verse. So the wisdom, the power that you need is going to deepen the relationship starting in your home, starting with your closest relationship, and then it will move out from there. But that's ultimately what Paul is saying because guess what? Again, it's in the home that you begin to see that transformation happen, and there's depth that you begin to experience. It's like this. We work so hard to build our home. It's like a fireplace. And think of it this way. I want to parallel the two because it's your relationship right? It's your relationship with God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit within the church, but it's also within your home. So I want to parallel the two. So this is your home, or it could be the church, okay? 
And, and you work, and it looks nice, and you got it in place, and you work so hard, and you have all the things and all the, all the amenities that you've worked hard to have, and you set it up. But there's a purpose, right? You see, when you receive power, power is always for a purpose. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the power is that that purpose would be played out in your family first and foremost, and then it spreads from there. There's a purpose for the working of the Holy Spirit in your life, being filled with the Holy Spirit in your life, in our church, in and through you. But back to heritage, for some of us, though, when you think of the Holy Spirit, this is a little bit more what it looked like. It's like uh, everything all over the place. The house is burning down. You know, that's why, again, you come in and you start talking to couples and, hey, how are things going? You start navigating. Well, you know, she always thinks and she, I feel like she just beats me over the head with the Bible. So what if I do X, Y and Z? And because this is what it feels like. This is what it looks like. But what happens is God always intended for it to look a little like this. You see, when it's done in the context of purpose, you can still have power. And it's not burning down the house. You can still build something that has function to it. But heaven forbid you build it and you don't have any purpose in it. But God's intended that there is this power that comes from this purpose. So you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that purpose impacts first your home. And then it spreads out. But then here's the last thing I think we gain. We gain an advantage when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. John 16, 7 Jesus says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go away, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So what are some of the benefits of the Holy Spirit? What, what's some of the advantages? Well, well, here's a few of them. I'm going to give you a few and then I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to read Ephesians 15 again. I'm going to pray over you as we've been doing each and every week. But let me give you some of the advantages that you gain from the Holy Spirit. First, the Holy Spirit's our comforter. It's our comforter. See, you don't have to just power through what you're experiencing. The more you try and power through, the more anxious you become. You can't willpower or discipline your way through. Some of you, very disciplined. You got all the drive in the world. It's not going to help you. It's only going to hurt you. When, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you gain a comforter that comes and he helps you. He comforts you. He's with you. He's beside you. When was the last time you said, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Help me in this. Give me comfort. Give me perspective. Help lead me through this. You see, he leads us and he guides us into truth. That's, the, that's another benefit of the Holy Spirit. He leads us and guides us into truth. So the same pages that you read in this word that you didn't understand, the Holy Spirit will guide you into truth to help understand it as you build a relationship with the Holy Spirit and you're filled with the Holy Spirit continually, daily. He helps you understand it. That's his promise. He reminds you of everything that Jesus said. He reminds you. He brings to your remembrance, whoa, 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 God, you are with me and you're for me. You'll never leave me or forsake me. You're discouraged. You're frustrated. You're hurt. God, you'll come and you'll move. And he reminds you of the words of Jesus, that he's with you and that he's for you. He helps us pray and intercedes for us. He gives us good gifts and he gives us boldness. He gives us boldness. There's gifts that he's given you. There's boldness that he's given you. And when you're in a moment, you're going, God, I, I just don't really know what to do. His promise is that he intercedes for you. He works and he moves. 
You see, the discernment, when you think of this good gift, one of the gifts he gives you, one of the grace gifts is discernment. Discernment to know what to do, what to say, how to, to respond and not react. And, and oftentimes, we need that. Remember, let's just talk, and you may go, well, Pastor Chris, I'm not married, but you have a deep relationship probably. So don't check out even on the second half of chapter 5 and go, well, I'm not married, this doesn't apply to me, but we all are in relationship. You can have discernment to know how to respond and not react to your employees, to your business partner, to your boss, to your friends, to your spouse, to your children. Guess who helps you? The Holy Spirit. And that comes from an ongoing filling. So I want you to ask yourself, am I filled? Am I filled? Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Do I have him living and active within me? You can be. It's an ongoing. It's not one and done. You were saved. Boom. Once and for all. Filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment. The Holy Spirit led you into that. But there's this ongoing filling that empowers you to be and to do who God has called you to be and what he's called you to do.